What's up, everybody? This week, Dexter and I look at the three video games which are considered, perhaps, the best video games of all time. Final Fantasy VII, VIII, and IX. That and a whole lot more is to come, because maybe, when you don't know something, you call in an expert. Welcome to the show. And of course, when you have a problem, you do need to call in an expert. Hi everybody, what you doing? This is John here, and I'm John by Dexter Duran. Dexter, how are you, brother? Doing very well, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. And yes, Dexter is the resident expert on the Final Fantasy series, and we're going to pump in with a whole lot of questions here in a little bit. But first, before we get started, guys, you know, if we're on social media, if, if you if you were on social media, I should say, on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram, check us out. Uh, if you're on YouTube, go ahead and check out BM network youtube and, of course, we are located wherever good podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, but not Google, because Google Podcasts suck. So, um, and I'm going to say, that, and I said that last time, I'm going to say that every episode until they put us on their service, damn it. So, <laughs> I, I think Google heard you. <laughs> I hope they do. Well, they, they, they don't seem to mess me up with YouTube. But yeah. again, it's really, really hard for them not to mess anybody up with YouTube these days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what you been up to, man? It's been a while since we had you over here. Uh, yeah, it's been very, very busy, of course, with the, the band, uh, staying busy as always. Uh, also, I'm doing a lot of production work uh, in other venues. Uh, doing some production management, actually, with the uh, the local fashion project and fashion prize nice. here in town. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the prize fest. Um, I've heard of it, but I'm not too familiar with uh, it. Prize Fest is a big uh, festival that happens in October every year here in Shreveport. It started with Film Prize, uh, and then they added a Music Prize, uh, and then this last year they added Food Prize and uh, Fashion Prize. So... Um, fashion prizes coordinated by the uh, executive producer Katie Larson and I volunteered uh, last year my fiance and I actually did and uh, she uh, needed some help with her production management and so I volunteered my services and now all of a sudden I'm the production manager for Fashion Project and really enjoy the work I love to do it I love to to put my time and energy and talents towards uh, an organization that really can benefit from it so uh, and it's it's really cool to get involved you know you look at me and I know nothing about fashion you can tell by looking (laughs) Uh, my walmart jeans um and my x-men socks uh but yeah no it uh i'm i'm learning a lot um but uh, it's it's been a pretty good time staying really busy with that also working on a film uh uh, that i'm actually going to be shooting next month that's very exciting too nice now for the people listening next month probably means last month but that's okay uh as as i've said this in other episodes we recorded in a little bit behind because i'm not allowed to announce things anymore Ah. after last year's foolishness (laughs) but that's okay now um doing the doing the live sound for like a because i've only done as as you know i've only done live sound for music stuff i've Mm. never actually done live sound for like festivals and different things that are more um not just like a band or, or, or an act or something like that so mm-hmm. is that is that in entail a lot more or is that just uh actually easier because it's not as many moving parts uh it depends i um, music and concert live production is definitely different from say theater production yeah. or corporate audio corporate audio and stuff like uh fashion is is a lot easier uh, on on the sound side because usually it's just uh, a few microphones okay. and some you know tracks things like that. And, uh, but there's a lot of coordination with lighting, uh, which there is of course in concert production. Yeah. But a lot of that is more art, uh, and uh, you know there's a lot of freeform there. Whereas in uh, the corporate side of it, in the fashion side of it, there's a lot of stuff that has to be done exactly right. So you know you have to follow a script very very tightly 
on that side. Whereas, you know, with, typically with concert production, unless you're on a very big production where there are a lot of moving parts that yeah. have to be synced up, you kind of can do whatever you want. I remember um, a couple of, it was either last year or the year before the Foo Fighters came to town and somebody yes. sent both of us a picture of like just the the box at the end of the stage that they had and it took like three trucks and two days to put it all together. Yes. You know? I went to that show. Uh, actually, it was set in the balcony. Uh, but yeah, when they, when they uh, whipped out the lasers halfway through the show, I was like, <laughs> It was it was very trippy. I would have ended up on the floor having seen <laughs> But uh, yeah, so like it's 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 you know as as you know both of us have done a lot of sound work. You do, you do it a lot more than I have over the last couple of years and everything like that. But um, so between the live sound, the film, the music, you know, it's it seems like you got a lot going on, man. It's 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 you know, but you've also got time to do things as well. That's that's. That's yeah, it's, well, when you work in production, uh, it's a lot of hurry up and wait, and yeah. so you you typically have a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of plates spinning, uh, or at least you try to. If you're good at what you do and you, and you like to stay busy and you like to keep money coming in, you, yeah, you, you typically it. have to have a lot of plates spinning. Um, and so you're always trying to plan out productions that are coming up and you try and you, you if you're lucky, you see when your downtime is going to be, you know, which months you're not going to be working and, and you try and plan stuff during those months, you know, projects that you want to be involved in. For example, the film that I'm working on, uh, you know, we had a, a, like a three or four week downtime and, you know, that's, that's time when money not coming in and so if you're not booking work you're working on a passion project or something and kind of that's when i took the time to do that so ladies and gentlemen the uh the key here is not how talented you are because you are talented it's more how you manage your time yes absolutely you mean sound like my wife now it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go ahead and get into final fantasy here in a minute before we do guys again if you're on social media check us out if you're on youtube check us out and check us out on all good uh podcasty stuff except for google because they suck and of course dexter is uh, i'll put his stuff in there but he's working with the holodex as, as always mm-hmm. and i'll get that information in the description below but also go to the holodex.com and facebook just search him up because it's easier <laughs> yeah if you uh, yeah if you want to talk about time management man final fantasy oh yeah man it, i uh I had to go to summer school because of Final Fantasy. Wow. And we'll get to that here in just a minute because I, I want to hear that story now. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second. Review Corner for Gamers. All right, guys. Now, as I alluded in the opening bad joke and in the very, very first words that came out of my mouth when I started this episode, we're talking about Final Fantasy, right? We're going to slightly break our rules, but not really. Okay. We're going to be talking about three Final Fantasy games, Final Fantasy VII, Eight and nine. The reason I say we're going to be breaking our rules is Final Fantasy Nine came out in the evil year of two thousand. Early enough in two thousand to where I'm giving it a pass because you know we are trying to be nineties and everything like that. But then again, I did the Simpsons that came out in eighty nine, so I'm I'm counting this. Um, but that being said, I'm not an expert on these games. I've played I played them vaguely once or twice, mm-hmm. and I'm not entirely sure about how or what they are. So Dexter here is more experienced in these games than I am and when we did the Monkey Island series a couple of uh, seasons ago he said man we gotta do Final Fantasy because you know and I thought yeah it's great and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll play him and of course Skyrim got in the way but uh, as it does <laughs> as it does so let's bef- let's let the, the nerd heads the number heads who, who love these kind of things uh, these basically are RPG fantasy games developed by Square Enix or Square as it was at the time uh, Final Fantasy 7 was a 97% out of 100 uh, Final Fantasy VIII was 92% out of 100, and Final Fantasy IX was 94% out of 100, with a combined sales of 23 to 26 million copies, which for video game series itself is huge. Yes. Because, I mean, we, we hear music all the time, oh, they sold 50 million records and everything like that, but not everybody plays video games, a lot mm-hmm. of more people listen to music. 
But they basically said that these are three of the greatest games that were ever, ever made in the history of video games. Is that... I mean... I would, I would say. say absolutely. They're definitely in the conversation. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So let's get started. Before we do, you mentioned something about summer school. Uh, yeah. Um, so Final Fantasy VII came out uh, in 1997. I just happened to be a freshman in high school. Uh, that was also kind of the... It was. It wasn't one of the launch titles for the for the original Sony PlayStation, sure. but it was one of the early uh, signature titles. Signature titles. It was one of the reasons that you bought a Sony PlayStation because these were again these were exclusive to the PlayStation. Okay. So uh, before this, uh, Final Fantasy was strictly Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, all from one all the way up to six, and not all of those had been released in America. Um, uh, four, five, and six. I think uh, four was released as Final Fantasy. Two yeah. and then uh, six was released as Final Fantasy three. The numbering system got a little bit strange, and, and not only that, they weren't released in Europe either. Yeah, I that think was it was only thing. in Japan, and so only in the last few years can you act, uh, are you actually able to go back and buy and, and play all the original titles, um, especially with the advent of uh, modern gaming systems having downloadable content and things like that. Um, but uh, I remembered uh, walking by the mall and seeing early gameplay footage of Final Fantasy VII and just being so amazed at the graphics. Again, yeah. coming from Super Nintendo uh, <laughs> to seeing three-dimensional polygons walking around. And, 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 and it, it was it was about as sandbox as you could get. I mean, I know sandbox is very common in today's yeah. uh, gaming world. But back then, no, not even close. it didn't really exist. I mean, you were sprites. You could walk around anywhere. But this had side quests. And you could walk around and do things and talk to anybody you want. And Very nonlinear. Very nonlinear. I mean, and, and of course, people will argue with how linear Final Fantasy games are. Because, you know, there, there can be big arrows going go this way to the next plot point but you don't have to do that at all um i had never played a final fantasy game up to this point but uh when i saw the footage of this game i said i don't know what this game is but i have to play it and as soon as it came out uh a buddy of mine uh played it beat it gave it to me and i put uh this i think was the first game i ever had that that had an hour count on the game of oh, how wow. much time you're putting into this game and I ran out the clock the clock stops at 99 <laughs> hours and and the clock stopped I think I probably put over a well obviously over 100 hours but I'd say probably over 120 hours on this game my freshman year I did it instead of homework and had to go to summer school uh, because of this game so it's one of those games that you wear the disc out you definitely wear the disc out yes well it was a three disc game oh it was three discs three discs three discs wow for uh, Final Fantasy 8 and 9 were four discs Really? Yeah, and the reason of that, I'm told, isn't really because of the video content, but the audio content, yeah. which is also the reason why they went to Sony instead of Nintendo, because if you'll remember, Nintendo's competing console at the time was the Nintendo 64, yeah. which was a cartridge-based system. And you, you, you couldn't do anything with cartridges? Not no, really. Not really. The graphics weren't as good. Uh, you, they, uh, Nintendo even sold uh, memory expansion packs to their Nintendo 64 just to improve the graphics of some of the later games to compete with the disc-based systems but by then it was done but the music this was the first time you could have full orchestral sound on video games you could have you know it wasn't midi based yeah. some of it still was midi based but you had the option to do full orchestra and that option was definitely present in final fantasy it was the first of the games uh, first of any game series to have like that epic soundtrack yes 
uh, epic soundtrack, full motion video, um, not quite yet voice acting. Uh, in fact, that didn't really come along in Final Fantasy until the PlayStation 2 era with 10 and, and yeah. forth from that. But honestly, in, in my opinion, 7, 8, and 9 is the best generation of Final Fantasy games because it was post-sprites, pre-photorealistic graphics, but kind of that in-between where there was it was uh, realistic enough looking but still animated enough looking to, to, to draw you in, but still to be very fantastical. Um, and I st- I'm, I'm, both my kids have played these games. Uh, you know, I have a 13-year-old and a, and a 10-year-old, and, and they've played these games. And see, that's that's the thing that you, you mentioned, and, and we, we've tried to mention before, and we'll try to mention again. A lot changed in video games in the 90s. I mean, you, you know, we, mm-hmm. we could talk about, like, what happened at the very, very beginning of the decade, what happened at the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. But in seven years, we went from Super Mario 3 with, you know, on one line, bouncing back and forth on these short levels because that's all the memory could handle, mm-hmm. to these games with epic sounding yeah. soundtracks, polygons moving everywhere, yeah, and, 3D rendering, everything. Yeah, and, fo- and photorealism, like, in, in some of the higher-end consoles. Uh, I would definitely say that the 90s was the adolescence of video games. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and and to not to spark debate with everyone else, I've always maintained that the PlayStation 2 was the best video game console of all time. Like, in, in any form yes. of whatever. But it wouldn't have been possible without everything that came before it it mm-hmm. kind of took everything that came before it and put it in a, in a thing yeah. we didn't have uh, multiplayer online that came with the dreamcast we mm-hmm. didn't have realistic graphics or as realistic graphics as they come until the original playstation mm-hmm. the games became more i don't keep using the word epic but they became more and more story-based and expansive and you know you couldn't just beat them in a day yeah yeah it was uh, yeah it was very i mean it was like a book almost you had to dedicate That's- time to to doing this I've uh, never thought of it that way, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Final Fantasy games play uh, like an interactive book. It's nice. uh, it, I had never been so drawn into something. You know, I mean, I tried to get into the original Zelda games, and all, and I really I didn't play this, the original Final Fantasy games as a child because uh, it's hard to get drawn in yeah. to sprite-based stuff when really all you have to focus on is storyline. And 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 that's I think where Final Fantasy was able to make a name for itself. Is and I mean even even the name Final Fantasy uh, came because uh, the company SquareSoft had had no money, and they they decided to go out with one last hurrah and create one last game to make or break themselves. And they they, they named made it Final it. Fantasy, and they made it. Um, and now it's it is an an enormous worldwide franchise. So are the, are the games like sequential? And what what I mean by that is I know they're six, uh, seven, eight, nine, but like. Do the events in seven dictate the events that come in eight and so on and so forth? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Each game is its own universe, its own world. Now, since this time, there have now been introduced spinoffs to yeah. particular games. You know, okay. Final Fantasy X had the spinoff Final Fantasy X-2. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen was made into a trilogy, 13, 13-2, and 13-3. Uh, there have been spinoffs uh, to Seven with Dirge of Cerberus and Crisis Core, which was a prequel. Um, but as far as the, uh, the mainline canonical, series. Those are all independent games, independent universes, but there are similarities. Uh, There are, like, sometimes uh, species of creatures will be retained. Like, most of them will have uh, chocobos, which are kind of the the little ostrich-type characters that you ride around in. Um... 
there are running jokes with characters that are renamed in the series. Uh, typically, there is always a character in each game named Sid, C-I-D. Uh, I don't really recall why, but I do know that there is pretty much a Sid in, in every Final Fantasy game, uh, except for a select few. Um, there's a, There was a running gag, I know in 7 and 8, and I can't recall if it's in 9, but Biggs and Wedge, which are Star Wars names. Uh, there are always side characters that are usually kind of cameos named Biggs and Wedge that will show up, <laughs> usually die, and then uh, the story will continue. Poor Wedge. Um, but, okay, that, that, kind of, that kind of explains it, because, like, I think a lot of game series took from that idea that it's... This is... These, these two games are entirely separate set in separate universes or similarly not the same universe but are if in the same universe not the same story so to speak like that yes um i know they did that in uh, the Oddworld series mm-hmm. um i know they've done that in the elder scroll series they've just kind of made things in in their own way so does that mean that if you missed a game you're not you haven't really missed out on anything story correct yeah, yeah yeah no absolutely I, I wouldn't try and jump into you know final fantasy 13 part 3 Without playing 13 part 1 and 2, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, in fact, I always tout Final Fantasy 9 as being the perfect entry to the world of Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy 9, uh, they took elements of all of the previous games 1 through 8 and kind of combined them in kind of a way to introduce it to a new audience. Uh, they went back to kind of the medieval... I mean, all the games kind of started out in kind of the medieval setting. You know, you've got knights, you've got dragons, yeah. you've got wizards and things like that. But once the PlayStation generation came around, starting with 7, they went in kind of a, a modern kind of a future punk yeah. kind of direction with uh, big evil corporations taking over cities uh, and, you know, people having to find magical elements in caves, you know, out in rural communities and things like that to fight the big bad government. Uh, and uh, same thing continued in, in 8. It was very modern uh, modern universe, you know, there's guns, there's cars, but there is also still magic. Uh, and then in nine, they went back to let's tell something in the, in a medieval fantasy realm and called back to that with a lot of the same plot points, but again, different universe. So which, which do they do better? I guess a stupid question. Like, do they do fan, do they do fantasy medieval style better or do they do futuristic style better i think they do both really well i really do um i uh i I would again start anyone with final fantasy 9 if they were new to it just because it's it's very simple it's not overcomplicated. uh the um there's always a a the magic system is different in every uh game so uh you'll you'll have the same spells you know fire ice thunder etc you might haste and uh, big giant spells like Meteor and Holy and Flare. Um, but the the way in which your characters go about learning spells is different in every game. Okay. So what changes in every game is uh, the way it's played. Um, starting in Final Fantasy VII, you have what's called the Materia system, which basically means that in order to learn spells or to learn abilities, you would buy these little magical orbs uh, that each contain an ability or a spell, and you would actually attach that to the weapon 
or to the armor that each character has. And you might buy a sword that has three materia slots or eight okay. materia slots or armor, etc. And you would have to travel around with those orbs attached to you in order to learn those. And then you can master them and, and learn more spells. Uh, in, the, in Final Fantasy VIII, you have the junctioning system. Uh, and then in Final Fantasy IX, you have the ability system. And they're just different ways of doing the same thing. So it's more along the lines of instead of, hey, here's this, here's this weapon. You found this part. Here, use it. You have to actually learn and take the time. And Yes, grinding is very important in Final Fantasy. Uh, uh, at least that's the way I play it. I know there are different ways to play it. Some people like to just enjoy the story. And they just play through. And they don't really, strength, they don't really yeah. be- beef up their characters. They just want to get through the story. And that's a great way to play. Uh, I was more of a completist, at least starting out. These days, I don't have the time to be a completist. Um, And I also... The re-releases of these games, you know, they've been re-released into the PlayStation Store uh, to where now you can buy these games for $10, $20 and and play them again. Um, The graphics are slightly upgraded. uh, But they've also given you these little cheats to where you can press the uh, R3 button and it'll automatically max out your character's stats or you can uh, it'll it'll increase the speed by three so that you can run around a lot faster and I think that's great for people that are replaying the game and I think it's good for people that just want to go through and focus on the story and they don't want to really get ground or ground down by like well I have to spend eight hours in this cave learning this one thing before I can continue the plot but not for new players not for new players no. and and I remembered making my son uh, I said you can't you, I'm not going to let you do this uh, this way you can't you can't use the cheats you've got to play it you got to do the work you got to play it right yeah well, I had I had a similar thing with uh, with my son he uh, we've got the uh, NES classic mm-hmm and he's playing, uh, I think it's Zelda 2. Adventure and, Link? And he, yeah, he's completed mm-hmm. it. Very difficult game. Very I was di- terrified of that game growing up. You Still know how, beat it. You know how he did it? How? The NES Classic has save states. Oh, well, that's got to be helpful. That's, that's cheating. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's cheating. I tell you, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah I can. This is I this. mean, I, if, 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 I will say this. If save states had existed when I was a kid, I would have definitely used them. And, and I probably would, too. Like, because in the you know in the new games you get quick saves and yeah, yeah but but I mean if you're gonna play a classic game in my opinion you should play it in the classic style you play it in the way it's meant to be played but I don't know if if not having save states was a limitation of the hardware or if if it was by design um, but it was certainly certainly extremely difficult I, I, li- I like to think it was by design because otherwise my childhood's alike <laughs> <laughs> but aren't all our childhoods alike? right so well you mentioned uh, you mentioned difficulty there is does the game have like a difficulty scale to it. Um, only in that there are areas of the world that you can go into if you want to, to try uh, and fight kind of end game enemies. Uh, there are certainly areas you can go into where you will certainly get killed. Um, so it's an unlevel game, so to speak. Uh, for if, the majority. If, yeah, it's pretty level. I think if... If you take the time to to, to, to to grind and level up as you play the game, it's pretty easy. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I think the first time I played through Final Fantasy VII, I don't think I got a single game over moment where I lost, uh, other than one particular boss battle. And it was because, again, I hadn't spent enough time uh, fighting monsters in the area and leveling up to where I needed to be. Um, it, it, it will... Uh, it will get difficult uh, if you don't level up. People trying to push through the game, you know, trying to beat it under 20 hours, it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, but I, again, leveling up to me is, is part of the fun. Well, let me, let, me ask you, let me ask you another thing. Just in the game in general, like, um, you know, nowadays we have five settings of a game you can play on easy, super easy, hard, normal, etc. Yeah, that didn't Th- exist. That didn't exist. <laughs> Not at all. Good, because 
they try to do that in a lot of other games like, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago NBA Jam mm-hmm. and they had five levels of difficulty mm-hmm. and the easiest level of difficulty that they had I don't think would have worked for casual non-NBA fans mm. because it was so difficult interesting and if you get it then if you bump it up to high, now it let me let me clarify that it was either really really difficult or I just really sucked to play in the game yeah but in the 90s like sports sims were what I played mostly mm-hmm. you know before, I mean it, it wasn't until about 12 years ago that I started digging into you know fantasy type games mm-hmm. and, and big arc in story and I think the one that I played was called uh, Cursed Mountain on, on the Wii okay which was a horror detective type game and that was the first time I played an expansive storyline game because mm-hmm. it was the first one that kept my attention mm-hmm. um and and basically with this, these will definitely keep a new player's attention at the beginning of it if they just play through mm. the way they're supposed to. Yeah. Well, and I think going back to uh, just the the style of game it is, you know, it's it's an RPG, a role playing game, which is my first experience with an RPG, and uh, it, they're actually, or at least most of them are, are JRPGs or Japanese role playing games, yeah. uh, which are turn based, which is very important to me because. I'm the kind of person that that if it's action based where everything's happening in real time, I tend to stress out a lot. Yeah. And I liked the aspect of turn based where everyone gets to to basically set up their action. Uh, you do your action, and then the enemy does their action, and then your menu pops up, and and you get to take your time and really strategize how you want to fight. And I liked that strategy aspect of the game. Um, I'm not saying there isn't strategy in action-based. There actually is no. strategy, but you've got to be very, 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 very quick and adept to be able to do that. With turn-based games, you can pre- you can predict your strategy move to move to move. With action games, you have to change your strategy on the fly, and sometimes mm-hmm. you can't do that. You know? Yes, so. and I know that the Final Fantasy games have moved... The more modern ones, I think starting with 12, actually are uh, action-based role-playing Um so I think they started with turn, or they ended kind of the the turn base. I think with ten, mm. and starting with eleven, eleven or twelve. Because eleven was the first online one, and I actually didn't play eleven. Uh, but twelve was an, basically an offline version of eleven, uh, different universe, but same gameplay, and it was turn based, or it was it was no longer turn based. Well, does the turn based system then favor the gameplay? And, and and what I mean by that is, like you said, action action games sometimes are a little too hectic. Turn based games, you can get everything right. Was the setup of the game and the setup of the battles and so on and so forth were they more geared towards being turn based? Yes, absolutely. I think so. Um, because uh, yeah, I think the the narrative and the plot introduces items, weapons, and armor in ways that you really can't fully realize them unless you're planning move to move strategy. Okay. Okay, so let me let me ask you another question. Um, how dated are the games in terms of storyline and morality? Because morality in a video game is really really important to me in this day and age. And and what I mean by that is a lot of the games that I play, I play as a good character. Mm-hmm. But were these games like you know did they take that? Did they take what was going on at the times? Like what was going on in say. Uh, in Japanese society and everything like that and turn them into a statement in their games. Mm. Uh, but uh, you, 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 yes, you know, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, I, I told my fiance that I would bring this up uh, and I'm glad you, you, you mentioned it. Um, while I can't speak to what was going on in Japanese society, yeah. uh, I can say that the, the Final Fantasy games have always been about good versus evil and so they always try to have, you know, it's very hero's journey with a couple of the characters. They do always introduce a few party members that are kind of chaotic neutral or anti-heroes, you know, people that, you know, maybe struggling with some other journey and and they they 
use the storytelling narrative to kind of move your allegiances to your characters and all the characters uh, around. I remember with Final Fantasy VII, you know, one of the most famous villains, Sephiroth, uh, his his backstory, not to give into any spoilers, but it, you really do understand him and why he doesn't see himself as a villain. He, he, he justifies his actions. Yes. Yeah. Like all good bad guys do. It's yes. not just, I want to do this and therefore... I think, uh, I think Final Fantasy VI, again, which uh, that's previous generation, and uh, I did not beat it, but I, I, I know that I've heard that the villain in that is just straight up evil. There's no there's no justification to him. He's just, he's just psychotic and evil. Very plain. Yes. Um, the other, yeah, Final Fantasy VII with Sephiroth. Uh, yeah, uh, he is soldier gone bad kind of thing. Mm. With Final Fantasy VIII, uh, it's a it's a sorceress war, and uh, again, she the the villain in that uh, evil the sorceress Aditi. She's a time sorceress, and so she ends up trying to compress all time into one singular entity that she can then control. Uh, and then in Final Fantasy IX. Uh, I think it's a little bit more similar to seven. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a character that ends up being related to your your main character, uh, and so that kind of gives you a little bit of of motivation there. So they all they all have this is this is why I'm doing it, and I'm right because because of whatever. And that always that always kind of adds, in my opinion, that always kind of adds an extra layer because uh, extra psychological layer. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, you know, Bowser's evil. He kidnaps people and tries to control everyone, black mm-hmm. and white. But if the bad guy has the uh, has the essence of, well, I'm doing this because this is wrong and what I'm doing is right, it gives you a pause for thought for a second. Uh, it's like one of my favorite 90s movies, The Rock. Yes. Uh, the, the villain in that movie, General Francis X. Hummel. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how you would say it. Uh, understood villains. I think I think he was one of the only cinematic villains that wasn't really a villain. He had pure intentions, yeah. and he really saw himself as fighting against a corrupt government. And but yet in the movie, if you t- if you sit back and look at it, you really are rooting for the bad guys. Uh, and th- that w- that was that was a kind of a, a, a character. The antihero definitely came into its its uh, its own during the nineties. So who are the main heroes in the game? I mean, I know we spoke about we spoke about the villains, but who are the who are the uh, who are the people we're supposed we are rooting for and everything like that? Um, well, the way Final Fantasy does it is you always have a party of people um, that you 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 usually start out with one, maybe two people, and then you gradually build up to a, a party. Depending on the game, uh, you either have a party of three or a party of four at any given time. Uh, with Final Fantasy seven and eight, it's three people, and with nine, it's four people. I believe starting with the original Final Fantasy, it was originally four people, but then they went down to three and then back up to four. Um, with seven, uh, it you have a you have a, a an ex military uh, mercenary and his childhood friend, and they've started a resistance against the government. You know, a corrupt government that's that's stealing uh, the life force of the planet and basically mining it, kind of like you know mining oil mm. out of the ground. And and they're they're telling you that it's to provide you know power and uh, electricity and things like that for for everyone. But in in reality, it's sucking the life out of the planet and it's killing everyone. Um, and so they've they basically decided to form a resistance faction to to fight against the evil corruption. And then you know they meet government spies that join their team. 
team, they meet other people on their own journeys, and, and it, you end up getting about nine people that you then can choose to make a party of three out of, and different parts of the game will force you to have certain members of the party in so that everyone gets to complete their storyline. Usually there's an optional character or two, which that's is always exciting. In Final Fantasy VII, there were two optional characters that you could go through the whole game and never even meet them. Um, but if you did take the time to go out of your way, pick up those characters, usually you would get rewarded. There would be extra cinematic videos at the end, or there would be an extra like uh, end game weapon that you could access that you couldn't access earlier. So were the parties fluid or st- I know you only briefly touched on it, but they were really st- most of the time they're fluid. Uh, usually in, in the beginning, first few, you know, probably ten hours of the game. Uh, before the world opens up. There's always a point in a Final Fantasy game where the world opens up, where you can then kind of choose whether you want to go left, right, or across the planet and whatever you want to do. But usually at that point, you've got fixed characters, uh, and then you'll kind of open it up, and they'll usually create some type of uh, narrative device to where, like, they'll give you, like, a walkie-talkie and say, hey, if you want to change characters, call me on the walkie-talkie or something like that, or you'll go to the menu and change your party out. You can change it out. Sweet, because the way, like I said, the way... um was the fluidity the, I mean the fluidity of the party was one of the hallmarks because nowadays in games you have uh, you know, if you have your party and everything like that you can only use them in certain areas you can't use them in, in any other parts of the game you have to use this character in this area this character in this area mm-hmm. this this game was able to if you drop this guy off two hours ago you could still call him back into your party uh, yeah no I don't think there you couldn't really play yourself into a corner in these games okay I think that's what you're asking. Is is the game kind of like the Monkey Island game? So you It'll, you always get out of it eventually. You always get out of it eventually. Now with with the Final Fantasy games, you can't lose. Uh, in, you can get into battle and die, and it'll game over, and you'll have to re- re-say, or reload from your last save point. But as far as walking around the world map and exploring, no, you really can't screw yourself into a corner where you've you've done something to where now you can't access a plot point. Usually, there's a way to go back and that actually brings me to a very important point in the 90s especially before the the internet was kind of really uh in its heyday um you had to buy the strategy guide yes and buying the final fantasy strategy guide was a very important part of playing these games and usually when you would loan these games to friends you would loan them the strategy guide as well and usually your friends had already taped pages together and marked things that were very important how how thick was it? Uh, not too thick. Maybe maybe about an a, inch. Less than an less inch. Than an inch. Um, probably probably 150 pages. That's not too um, bad. Yeah, usually, but it had all the graphs and charts of the weapons and where to find them. Uh, the I, the items that were hard to find, like uh, so, you know, like there will be an accessory. The ribbon is always the accessory that that gives you immunity to all negative status effects. And so there's usually only one of them in game. And and everybody always wants to know when you're when you're playing either Final Fantasy seven, eight, or nine. You're like, where's the ribbon? who's got it what town's it in you know and and that's would give you a quick way to find that out this the that's i mean now games still have strategy guides mm-hmm. so you know it's it's really cool most games still have, have like wikipedia style pages strategy guides yeah well wiki pages uh using gamefaqs.com yeah. i mean that's really become when when i played a game uh in the 2000s you know you didn't really buy this i think the final fantasy 9 strategy guide was where strategy guides started to not be good because i remember buying the final fantasy 9 strategy guide and i remember you would it would give you a couple of hints and then it would say for more information oh. please log on to playonline.com no. and i was like no 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 if i buy a strategy guide you know that's not an ad for your online help site. Here, here's your sandwich. If you would like more meat, you have to go back to the store. Yeah, yeah. just no, no, no. So, who like I know we talk about the characters, but like, who did 
Who were the characters that, that were favored amongst the players of Final Fantasy at the time? Are you talking about like specifically like the names? And, yeah, like like for example, you know, um, why don't I ask you what what what? So having someone who hasn't played the yeah. games, uh, well, let's let's use seven. Uh, what 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 do you think of when you hear a Final Fantasy seven? Well, see, that's the thing. The, my knowledge of Final Fantasy was through. Um, it was a guy I went to college with. Mm-hmm. He was a big, big fan of the games. I think he had uh, Final Fantasy Nine uh, on PlayStation. Okay. Now we did we did media and video at our school, so you know there was a lot of TVs about everywhere, and like our classes would be two hours apart. And for a lot of guys, there's no point going home for those two hours. We'd just go sit in an empty room with a PlayStation or something like that and play a game. So all my knowledge of Final Fantasy. I don't think it was Nine because he said Nine was more medieval times. Mm-hmm. My knowledge of Final Fantasy was a more futuristic type of game. Okay, you know, uh, fantasy. I guess the, the way to describe it in modern games, it had the look of something like Mario Galaxy. Okay, you know, it was very, very spacey, f- uh, fan- fantasy type. And it, it, what I mean by that is like not realistic looking, but good, good looking. Mm-hmm. So you know, and my understanding of it was it was it was obviously a turn based game but it was more um a magic based game if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean there's definitely magic in all of the all of the games and and part of the i'll, I'll be completely honest part of the reason why i didn't play is as i mentioned earlier i was in sports sim land at that time yeah but um another guy who i went to college with also was a big fan of the game and this is the same reason i don't know anything about cars he was the type of person who you didn't want to be around Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was such a pain in the ass. And so you kind of walked away from everything they liked. He's all fa- Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy. Well, I don't want anything, but, you know, he gets on my nerves, I don't want to be like him. Yeah, and I went the same, opposite direction. Same reason I won't associate with Doctor Who. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's because <laughs> the people that uh, that I learned about it from were people I did not like. Oh. <laughs> Sorry to hear that, man. It's it's. I know that it's unfortunate for me, uh, but it's just the it, way it, my life goes. It, it's a good show where I haven't kept up within the last couple of years because I didn't like the writing, but hey, though, that's in the store for a different day. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, what, what, I saw, what I saw with Final Fantasy was, it was like three... And this is what I got in my head, so th- this could be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. It was three characters, mm-hmm. two male, mm-hmm. one female. Mm-hmm. One of them had purple hair. Okay. And it was basically the three of them fighting whatever came towards them the whole time. Okay. And it kind of like... I could be Again, I could be wrong with this, but the um, remember the old Pokemon games, Pokemon yeah. Red and everything like that? Mm-hmm. The fight screens kind of look like those. Yeah, because well, that's a traditional JRPG. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that, that's 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 kind of my memories of it. Now, I do know that I have a Final Fantasy game on one of my emulators that I've got okay. right here. Mm-hmm. I just haven't played it because you can't play emulator games so you don't own the real one. Uh, <laughs> but um, all I knew about it was that it was a huge game. Mm-hmm. It was... A Tom Sink, and it was something that once you got into, mm-hmm. it would it would very it'd be very very hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. Now with the Tom, you know, I I didn't want any of that. Mm-hmm. I had my band, I had my football, yeah. I had my, you know, I had my schoolwork. I, I didn't need to, you know, I play FIFA every now and then, whatever. Yeah, and then you know, I just kind of not necessarily forgot about it, but. Oh, look, Final Fantasy's coming out. Good for Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And my thing was, because I was a film guy, because of the numbers after the after the game, well, we're all around the ninth game. I don't know what the heck I'd be doing. Yeah. So, you know, 
the only move like you know the joke was apollo 13 came out well i haven't seen the other 12 yet ha 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 but it was kind of the same way with this there was like nine games in the series yeah and up till that point all the games that i played that were in series Mm -hmm. followed on from the last one yeah and so like it was like well i've missed too much i might get to it eventually yeah and and i to be honest i never have i've I've never gotten to it even the eventual uh, again i I would tell you the same thing i told my kids start with nine start with nine start with nine i mean yeah you could start with whichever ones you want and have a good time but i think nine i think if you played one final fantasy game and never played another play nine nine would be the one that would give you a good uh and it, it's an anthology game, you know? Okay. It, it gives you a picture of the, the whole world. Now, well, I guess in asking that, I know we talked earlier about different universes and stuff like that. Did 9 have any crossover with the games that came before? I know the games that came before didn't necessarily cross over each other, but like, um, hey, we're going to put everything together. Did this iconic character from Final Fantasy 4 show up in 9 or, or 7 and 9 and so on and so forth? No, there are never any character crossovers. There are usually Easter eggs. Okay. Like uh, you will uh, you'll be in a weapon shop in Final Fantasy IX and see uh, a weapon that was the main weapon of a guy from Final Fantasy VII in the shop. You can't buy it, can't play it, but it's on the wall. And if you talk to the storekeeper, he'll make a comment about it. Um, that would be the only kind of callback, really, that there is. Cool. Uh, the, a lot, some things are named the same. Uh, I think weapons are named the same, or not weapons. Uh, some well, yeah. Some weapons are named the same, like like uh, uh, what do you call them? Like uh, airships might okay. have the same name or things like that. They, they they reuse a lot of the same names because again, it's it's mythology. So you can do whatever. And you so want a with lot it. of the same mythology kind of all comes from the same place, but that's about it. So was the turn based system complicated compared to some of its uh, peers at the time? Um, well, again, my RPG experience was, was limited to just Final Fantasy, uh, at the time. Um, I came from playing games like, uh, like racing games, platform games, Donkey Kong Country, stuff like that, uh, to playing Final Fantasy. So it it was the, the whole RPG, uh, style and genre was very new to me. But from what I understand, it's very typical, uh, of the the RPG style. So if you're not used to the style, it's easy to get into. So to I would say, yeah. You, I mean, really, the only thing you need to understand is that there's there's a battle screen and a world screen, and it just the game jumps between those two, uh, at least until you get to I think Final Fantasy twelve, in which case it all becomes one. It Open becomes action RPG. based. Yeah. Well. Was there multiplayer mode or was a single player game? Um, the, or e- any of them? Were? They were all single player except for the online ones. Uh, okay. MMO, and those were MMO, which I think uh, there's just 11 and 14 are the only online ones. And coincidentally, the only ones I didn't play because I'm, <laughs> I'm not an MMO person. No, MMOs can range from really, really good to really, really not good. I mean, uh, I was told that 11 was really good. Uh, I was on tour with my band the year 11 came out and that's why I missed it. I think I think if I had not done that and if I had bought 11 and played 11 with my friends, I would probably be a big MMO fan. But because I kind of came back a year later and it kind of missed the, the boat on MMOs, I missed 11. Therefore, when 14 came out, I had no interest in playing it. Well, the, the MMO system is very, not, not just in Final Fantasy, but like in general, MMO games are very, very, they're either good or they're horrible. Mm-hmm. And I found out. Everybody talks about Warcraft being the, the the king of everything like that. But, I mean, 
Like the Elder Scrolls Online is very, very good. I, mm-hmm. I used to play that a lot before my internet connection got all messed up, and you, you can't keep a connection on certain things. Mm-hmm. And the Fallout series is absolutely horrible as an MMO. If the reports, because I've not played it, if the uh, the reviews are anything to go by, but um, with MMO elements, and I'm jumping a little bit further forward, mm-hmm. did they bring any of the like again any of the gameplay elements in in future installments? Uh, so like, did twelve take from ten and have some elements of the 11 MMO in there to begin with. Again, I can't speak to the MMOs because I yeah. didn't play them. Uh, but as far as the offline games go, uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely drew from the earlier installments as far as improving gameplay. Uh, it, I don't know. As the games went on, they started to become a little more modern and, and, and move away from JRPG into more action-based RPG. And I'm not really a big fan of action-based RPG, so I didn't really enjoy them as much. I know that when 14 came out, the, it, was an, it was the second MMO, it was so bad that they had to re-release it. And that's why it's called Final Fantasy XIV A Realm Reborn, or ARR. <laughs> and people only consider that version to be the actual game. I don't think the original version 114 is talked about at all. So did the, I mean... So was the evolution of the gameplay as well relevant in these three games? I know they, 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 were, turn, they were turn-based games, but turn-based games could be different across the board. If that makes sense? Um, like, for example... Um, Zelda 2 technically was a turn-based game mm-hmm. um, and then they kind of evolved that. Did the turn-based system become evolved and the combat system become evolved during 7, 8, 7, 8 and 9 or was it basically similar throughout all the games? It was it was very similar uh, throughout all of the games. I think they wanted to maintain that level of comfort and familiarity so that like, if you feel like you've played Final Fantasy 1 and then you just randomly jumped into Final Fantasy 8 or 9, you're like, yes, I remember this. This is how it goes. But again, the the learning system, uh, the magic system would change in each game and that's where I think they, they refined and would experiment with how do we make this game new and exciting and different while as far as the it, gameplay. While keeping it as similar as possible. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of they took a big risk in Final Fantasy VIII. A lot of people either like eight or don't like it and it's because they went to what's called the junction system where instead of having something simple like the materia system where you buy a magic orb that's a fire orb you stick it on your weapon and then you're, you can learn the fire, fire spells. They had, um, oh, and also with M, you know HP and MP, which I, yeah. I, I think most people understand what that is now. Yeah. But back then, RPGs were really the only place where you had HP and MP, which yeah. hit points and magic points. So magic points, meaning you had a, a, each character had a certain number of magic points that would increase as their spell level increased. But let's say at the beginning of the game, you might start out with 100 magic points, and a spell might cost you 8 or 9 magic points. And so you can look at your MP and go, okay, well, I can cast about 8 or 9 spells before I need to either sleep or heal. Um, they completely threw that out the window in FF8 and said, you know what? We're going to give you a spell count. So you would have these little draw points and it would glow on the map and you would go to it and it would say, ooh, it's a fire draw point. Who would like to draw? And you'd pick your character and click draw and it would say, you stocked nine fire spells. And you would stock a number of times you could cast it. And that was it. Once you once you were had had used them all, that spell was gone until you found until you found another draw point and you could draw up to a hundred spells and that's so you could stock a hundred spells but that was it and then once you use them they were gone forever until you found another draw point and then to make it more complicated the junction system allows you to attach those spells to your stats like strength 
or speed. So you could take a, a heavy offensive spell like fire or thunder and attach it to your strength. And if you had a lot of spells, your sword hits would be super strong. But if you only had a few spells, your sword hits would be super weak. And so, so it funnels into everything that, yeah. that you did. And what it, it created two different spells of strategy. One would be you use your magic spells and don't junction because why would you want your attacks to be wavering in their in their ability yeah. or you did what I did which was once you found a spell stock a hundred of it equip it to a stat and never use magic the entire game nice. just walk through the game using your sword really strongly so which 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 I guess which was the beta system I, I preferred this uh, the Oh, are you talking about like uh, the, the, the the better strategy or the, the better system with like between the ma- games? Was it the magic? Was it magic points or amount of spells you can use? Oh, which the, the junction system? system in eight, I think, was way too difficult for a lot of new people to understand because it was difficult for me to understand, and I was familiar with Final Fantasy. But once you figured it out, you could customize it in many different ways to make it work for the strategy you liked. Nice. Um, so it was a very complicated system that had a lot of drawbacks but a lot of payoffs as well. The The Materia system in 7 was very straightforward and easy to use, and in Final Fantasy 9, they basically took that Materia system and made it even easier by giving you what's called the ability system, which meant yeah. that instead of having orbs that you would attach to weapons, they simply had your weapons and your armor had spells attached on them already. Mm. So like you would buy a sword and be like, oh, this sword comes with the fire ability and the haste ability, and you would just have that ability until it was learned. And once it was learned, you could get rid of the sword and you just had those abilities on you forever. And so that was an easy way to do it. You would buy you would buy items and buy weapons, walk around until you learned all the spells, and then you could upgrade your weapons while keeping the spells. So would you say it was more dumbed down? Yeah, it, got it was much more simplistic uh, in, in that. And simplistic, I said dumbed down, I didn't mean it like that, mm-hmm. but I mean, simplistic sometimes isn't worse it's streamlined basically I think they set out for Final Fantasy 9 to be uh, trying to gather a new generation of fans and I think that it it worked very well it was a very easy Final Fantasy to play the story was very good the visuals were very good the music was amazing in fact I, I used to have a CD that I bought at GameStop uh, that was literally just excerpts of theatrical or orchestral music from seven, eight, and nine. I even went to go see uh, uh, the uh, uh, the symphony, the Final Fantasy symphony, when it came to Fort Worth, Texas, and have a shirt somewhere of it. But yeah, that was it was neat to go to the like the opera and and have a symphony playing Final Fantasy music, and you have all these old people wearing tuxedos and listen, enjoying the music, and then you yeah. got all of us wearing our our video game T shirts. Yeah, screaming and shouting and cheering. And b- both of you looking at each other like, "What are you wearing?" You know? Exactly. Uh, but um, well, I guess I guess there's another thing I wanted to ask. Final Fantasy is considered like the the father of the epic game soundtrack, and that's that's fair to say. That's Nubo Yamatsu. He was the yeah. uh, director of the music, and he uh, amazing writer. Uh, all of his music. I mean, I can I can pick out a song from Final Fantasy almost instantly. In fact, my Dungeons and Dragons group that plays on Mondays, a lot of the times they'll set, you know, music in the background and on Spotify. One. And I'll, I mean, I can hear two bars and go, that's the battle theme from Final Fantasy VIII. Or I can go, oh, that's the, that's the theme from the town uh, on the East Continent from Seven. And they're like, they'll look at their phone and go, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's a thing, you know, um, video game music enhances and can withdraw. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've mentioned this before. I, pl- I play a lot. I've played a lot of Skyrim, still do to this day, and I'm planning on doing even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that was great in it was the the soundtrack. But after a while, you know, you hear the same soundtrack all while you just turn the volume down a little bit because it gets distracted. Mm-hmm. Would you say that the soundtrack is part of what made these guys, these guys, these games, so not necessarily so popular, but just so good? You know, they, I, I think so. Yeah, the action mirrored the 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 sounds that was coming in. It just like kind of it it got the blood pumping a little bit more. Yeah, I think there are a few companies, Square definitely being one, Capcom being another, uh, that just had really good music people at their company. Yeah. Uh, Capcom's notorious for having uh, video game music that's just very catchy right off the bat, like their Mega Man games, yep. Street Fighter games. Yep. Uh, you you remember all that music. Yeah, I can uh, hear... Um, decades later. I can hear Ryu's theme in my head right now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it's... it's it, Because here's the thing, back then video game titles, video game titles, they'd use kind of like the same three or four songs and remix them a little bit mm-hmm. or you know, had the same thing whereas this one as you said full discs and most of that was the audio stuff that came came in it yeah uh yeah no i mean there, there's there's a whole universe of final fantasy music nubo yamatsu one of the, the japanese composer i mean he's multi-award winning i mean just an amazing person and the music that he's written i mean defined a generation of, of game players nice and not, not only that obviously the studios too because they yes. took a look at this and went well you know if they they get it then we, we've got to get it mm-hmm. and now everything that every game that's worth its salt has you know an epic soundtrack underneath it mm-hmm. whether it's truly epic and truly great or not is is up for debate but i mean like for example when i was doing the research for this one like i was thinking man what can i what can i what can i ask about you know what can i ask about the music in there and then all of a sudden the opening the opening song uh for glory for blood for honor from the elder scrolls online came out mm-hmm. and i'm just sitting there listening to it and i'm thinking this game, I like playing. But I started playing it and it's like, yeah, maybe, you know, whatever. But the first time I played it, that song came in through my headphones. Mm-hmm. And it, like, got me really, really pumped up. Really, really wanted to play it. And, you know, you go in and you start playing. And I think with this, because that's one thing I do know about Final Fantasy. The, the music is kind of, it, it takes you into the world a lot more than just reminding you you're playing a game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know. Um, well, we talked about Square just a second ago, right? And we've mentioned other games. This has got to be the ultimate in RPGs. Like, mm-hmm. the ultimate RPG game series out there. I-, I think so. I mean, obviously, you know, we're not talking about games like World of Warcraft yeah. or, or Skyrim and things like that that are more that are newer. But, I mean, the, 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 those games I don't think would have had any basis without the Final Fantasy series. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, for example, you know, we took the Elder Scrolls series. I don't think Elder Scrolls Morrowind gets made without Final Fantasy VIII. I agree. So, you know, it's 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 definitely definitely uh, the, the the father of the genre, so to speak, or the modern father of the genre, I say. But do you think, and this is this is something my wife asked, do you think it's been cheapened, the legacy of the games has been cheapened slightly by having them play alongside Mickey Mouse in, in Kingdom Hearts? I was very on the fence when Kingdom Hearts was announced right around 2000, 2001, or whenever that was. I think it was probably 2002, because yeah. uh, it was a PS2 game, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the original one. And I did buy it, and I did I did play it. I didn't beat it. Uh, I don't know. Part of me thought, again, that it was them, I think, trying to broaden an audience, because Final Fantasy was very niche yeah. when it came out. It was a certain demographic that they went for, you know, the, the hardcore gamers. You know, someone who can 
you know, block three months out of the year to, to really Definitely. get into a game. And I think Kingdom Hearts was their attempt to to bring it to a, a wider audience. And I think it worked. Obviously, it was very successful. Uh, I think... It, I'm not sure if it pulled a lot of Disney people into the world of Final Fantasy. I don't know how many people that went from Kingdom Hearts to go back and play Final Fantasy 7, 8, or 9. Um, I was not really a big fan of the Kingdom Hearts game when it came out. I tried to be, but I didn't play any of the sequels. My son loves it. Uh, I don't. I think he loves the Final Fantasy games more. Yeah. Um, but I think he appreciates the place Kingdom Hearts has. So this is like, I, I guess, no different to something like Smash Brothers, for example, where you can have Kirby fight in... Uh, Mario for whatever it just like the cross pollination didn't really affect the series that much at all just some people might have gone oh, and just carried on with it oh, yes yeah. I, I think I think that describes it exactly okay you you, you kind of go Ugh, and then you go on and and <laughs> you might play it it's like uh, here I'm not going to play this yeah and they weren't bad games <laughs> uh, again they were those were very action RPG uh, they weren't turn based so I initially was turned off to it um, but I just I, I didn't like the idea of running around with Goofy and Donald Duck. <laughs> kind of takes you out of it a little bit. It, it really did. Uh, well, before we go, we're going to head up home, but I'm going to ask you this one question. Mm-hmm. And I asked, I've kind of touched upon it briefly, but I'm going to ask it again. Some some consider these three games to be the three greatest games of all time. Not not just Final Fantasy, like video game history period, the three greatest games of all time. If they're not three greatest games of all time, are they definitely in the top five of all time? It's a very subjective question because I would say for me, they were the three probably most important video games that I played. Uh, But I think that had a lot to do with, you know, my age and the video games that I've been playing before that and the video games that I played after that. I think they're absolutely three of my top five. Uh as far as on a universal scale, I would definitely say they're three of the most influential games definitely. of the modern gaming community. Definitely. And like I said, you know, the, the, the uh, reports, the the, the, the the ratings that I got, I came from, I, I, I like, the way I, the way I rate these games is I don't rate them personally. Mm-hmm. I go by, okay, if it's got like eight reviews, getting those reviews together mm-hmm. and like aggregating the scores and everything like that. But when you get an aggregated score of 97 out of 100, mm-hmm. that's a that's a dang good game. Yeah, and I mean, there's just so much. I mean, you can get on YouTube and watch videos about Final Fantasy VII for a year and probably never watch the same videos. I mean, there's so much culture from these three games. Uh, I think they're absolutely worth... I, I wouldn't tell every person that plays video games, you need to play these three games. But I would say you need to play one of these games. And if you liked it, you need to play the other two. And if you're not an RPG, or if you are an RPG player and haven't played these games, definitely play these games. Yeah, if you're not, if, you, if you've never played an RPG and you want to, I think nine, even to this day, again, there's no voice acting in it. It's a, it's a re, you're reading, you're reading text boxes, but it's a fun, it's fun. It's, uh, it's not hard. Um, it, it, there's a little bit of grinding if you want to make it v- good and enjoy it and really get all the stuff that needs to happen. You know, you can go for 100% completion because there's so many side areas to play. Um, but it's, it's just a really good, fun game to play. Nice. Nice. And that's it for Final Fantasy, guys. We're going to jump back here in a minute. But again, Dexa, thank you very much for giving honest analysis about this because, like I said, uh, this is something that I wasn't too familiar with. And I'm not sure if... if folks listening were too familiar with it because you know some folks who listen to it are older than us and some folks who are a lot younger than us mm-hmm. so 
the older folks are like, oh, Final Fantasy, not not really. The younger folks are like, well, I've played 15, you know, whatever. So it's really, really good to hear how good these games sh- yeah, should, I, uh, should be from people who were around when they when they were originally released. Yeah, watching my son play Final Fantasy 15, because uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't have the time. Uh, <laughs> but watching him play 15 and thinking, you know, if someone were to, to come, someone his age were to play 15 and then try and jump back to one of these, it would be very interesting to watch because it would be so different. Nice. So, all right, we'll be back here in just a second, and uh, here's a little bit of dodgy music for you to listen to before we get back. Thank you from everyone here at the Because Maybe Network to Dexter Duran for taking the time out of his day to uh, come over here and talk about uh, Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. Uh, normally, this is the part where me and Dexter would chit-chat just a little bit more and uh, prompt the next episode. Unfortunately, when we recorded it, we didn't know that this was going to be the last episode of the season. So that's kind of that was kind of a bummer. Um, because, you know, uh, we didn't... We didn't know how bad the COVID stuff was going to get when we started recording this. We recorded this back in February. Uh, I mean, you know, as we mentioned a couple of times on these recordings, there was whispers that there was going to be stuff going on, but uh, nothing was really, you know, they weren't really going to shut down the whole world because of this, and they did. So, uh, you know, it's it's not um, it, it's not something that we planned, but uh, you know, Dexter did give some good points as to what we were going to talk about next week, and something that we both agreed on that uh, Michael Stipe was the godfather of alternative music. Uh, and again, you know, the context of that will be in season seven when we actually do get around to reviewing new adventures in Hi-Fi, which is uh, an REM album that I think is fantastic because of not only the content matter but how it was recorded. And we'll explain more when it when the time comes. So this is going to be an impromptu extra extra episode. Um, I'm just going to talk for a few minutes about what we are planning on doing here. Um, thank you to everybody who yesterday watched our live stream of Streets of Rage where I failed to complete the game. Uh, I would have done it a second time but you know at that point I'd, I'd had enough. Uh, <laughs> but um, we are going to be going ahead and doing more streams uh over the next couple of months. It's just we're going to take a month off with that. And with uh, the 90s podcast, we're going to take a little while off so we can get some more stuff uh, in the can. Um, I've got to figure out a way, because I've, I've changed studios, uh, I've got to figure out a way how to record stuff. You know, I don't want to use Zoom and Google Hangouts and stuff like that because the quality wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. So i got to figure out the best way how to handle that. Um, also... Uh, we are starting work on uh, the salsa section in the next couple of weeks. Um, literal work, work, not uh, you know just planning and everything. We're actually doing the the fun the fun part, the research. You know that's sitting down and watching old episodes of a TV show, uh, which is going to be fantastic. Um, and like I said, as far as the '90s gamer goes, uh, I'm not sure what to do next. I've got a couple of ideas. I just got to figure out the best way how to make them work on 
my computer. In fact, I know what I want to do. I just got to figure it out in, you know, in the next couple of days or so. Um, I'm trying to think what else while I've got you guys here. Try to get your attention. And that's really it. Um, for those of you who... Uh, um, you know, who 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 joined to, en- to be entertained, go check out our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, look at Because Maybe Network, check us all out on Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and YouTube, of course we're not on Google, um, not because Google sucks or anything like that, we're not going to do that joke anymore, but um, this is the end of the entertainment part of the show. Um, there is a lot of things going on in the world right now, we've got a deadly disease, or a virus, excuse me, that, you know, has wiped out a lot of people. A lot of people didn't need to die, they have died. We've got riots and protests going on that were, were that were catalyzed by the death of an unarmed black man. And you're damn right that this thing needs to be protested. You're damn right that the people who committed this crime... That the four officers involved uh, need to be brought to justice, and need and need real justice to happen. I have no say in these kind of matters because of what I am, you know. But I encourage all the parents who are listening to this, who have children, who have young children, make sure that your kids are raised to understand that it is not okay to hate someone because of what they are. Respect, love, and friendship is on who people are, not what they are. If you hate somebody because of the color of their skin, their sexual orientation, their religion, their political affiliation, then you are wrong. You are wrong. You are part of a big problem. And to everyone who is protesting, and to everyone who is... Risking their freedom and safety to protest injustice. I'm with you 100%. I am 100% with you on what you were doing. I am 100% with you in your cause. I feel a little cowardly because of the fact that, um, you know, my, my documented history with mental health issues means that being part of a situation like that is way beyond my capability of handling. But I stand by what I say. If you dislike somebody because of what they are, you are scum. If you hate somebody, if you are a racist, you are scum. And you are not welcome. For, for what it's worth, you are not welcome on this podcast, in this network. We don't want you. We don't need you. If you think you are better than somebody because of your religious affiliation or lack of religious affiliation, we don't want you. If you, if you think that you are better because of what may or may not dangle between your legs, we don't want you. We want people here who are respectful and who love one another based on who they are, not what they are. This is a very, very hard time for a lot of, a lot of people I know. And I, I wish I could tell them words of comfort, but it would be seemingly insincere. Not genuinely insincere, because I'd mean what I say. But the last thing that these people, that that, that 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 these friends of mine and family of mine need is somebody who 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 somebody like me telling them, 
it's going to be okay and to, to be safe and, and, and all that stuff. So for what it's worth, I hope everybody taking part in protests is safe and, and you know, and, and everything like that. This is a very, very tough world and I hope, I hope that we end up with a solution that is beneficial to the people who are being oppressed. And as far as this virus goes, wash your damn hands, wear a mask, and think about other people. Us asking you to wear a mask is not for your benefit, it's for other people's benefit. You can't claim on one hand to love people and then do stuff like that. We're all in this, the virus stuff, we're all in it together. So... That's all I've got to say. That's that's a very, very heavy note to end the season with. But at times like this, at times like this, I mean, yesterday when I was doing the live stream of the video game, I felt such a, you know, such a weird kind of feeling of this really doesn't matter. You know, and I feel it now with editing this podcast today. You know, it is 12 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and what I'm doing just feels like very, very, very glib and, you know... But it is what it is. It's what I do. It's my, It's how I'm coping with things going around. And if this is stressing me out to the point where I'm feeling uncomfortable providing entertainment and what's going on isn't nowhere near affecting me the way it is affecting a lot of other people. I can't imagine the stress, the anger, and the emotional drainage that is going on to the people that this is affecting. So, everybody be safe, be calm, and Woods and Noel Gallagher live forever, and we will be back Wednesday, actually we'll not be back Wednesday because I'm doing it now, but we'll be back probably the early part of July with some more content, um, with probably a stream, and I might do a bonus 90s podcast episode, um, I may not, more details will be obviously given soon. I love you all. Be safe. And we'll see you soon.